Hey, 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 and welcome in to another edition of B-Shave Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer. Excited to be here with you on a Monday, talking some Cardinals baseball as the Cardinals had an exhibition game with the Minnesota Twins in Fort Myers, Florida on Monday. And once again, it was a standout performance by all who saw the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals on the pitching side. That's been kind of one of the themes of the spring as several of the Cardinals pitchers who maybe you thought could be angling for a chance to make this roster, maybe some who you thought you know, you didn't think much about, and now they're kind of putting themselves in position to be considered. A lot of guys are moving and shaking as we get deeper and deeper into this camp, and on Monday it was more of the same from newcomer Kwon Young Kim and a guy who's been around for a little while, but I think in 2020 is really looking to make his mark in a more significant and substantial way than he has done in the last couple of seasons, and that's Daniel Ponce de Leon. Both of those guys were tremendous on the hill for the Cardinals on Monday. We'll get into their spring numbers on the whole as we go along, and we'll continue to have this conversation that I think is a difficult one, and it doesn't have a perfect, nice, neat set of answers. And that's the one regarding who the Cardinals' starting rotation is going to be. Which five will the Cardinals roll with when we get to the end of this month? And we get into the Cardinals heading to Cincinnati and and marking their roster for the battles ahead. Because Daniel Ponce de Leon, probably a guy that I wouldn't have given much consideration to coming into spring camp. I would have said, you've got six names for five spots, and that's counting Miles Michaelis alongside the five that, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think are the five right now that would get that start for the Cardinals in the rotation beginning the season. Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, who's looked pretty good this spring, had a little hiccup in his last outing in that he threw way more pitches for three-plus innings than he should have, but has still had an overall productive spring and was a 16-game winner a year ago, and the Cardinals value that. They value what he brought to the table, and so I don't think there's any reason to believe that Dakota Hudson is not right smack dab in the middle of one of those starting spots right now. So Flaherty, Hudson, Adam Wainwright hasn't been the most productive spring for him. But if there's one pitcher on the Cardinals that I would say, yeah, the spring doesn't really matter. He's probably going to be given the chance when, when the season starts, it would be Wainwright because he had a very productive season a year ago, especially his numbers at home with an ERA below three, the Cardinals, are not going to be giving up on Adam Wainwright based on something that happens in spring training. I know a lot of fans on the hitting side have talked about Dexter Fowler and expressed frustrations that they would like to see some consideration to maybe diluting Dexter Fowler's role with the Cardinals once the regular season begins based on the struggles that he's had so far this spring. And we've kind of talked about how that's probably not going to happen. Fowler was not in the lineup on Monday for the Cardinals. Austin Dean played right field. He's had a pretty nice spring. He went two for four with a run scored, a home run, and a double. And his OPS for the spring now up to 1040. So Austin Dean, again, a guy I think is going to get some opportunity when not necessarily right out of the gate when the regular season begins, but when some of those injuries crop up, I think Dean's going to be a guy that has, you know, so far this spring proven he deserves maybe a, a second look, more of a look than people perhaps gave him when the Cardinals initially traded for him. 
after he was let go by the Marlins. Like, when you consider the Marlins one of the more lowly franchises in recent seasons, and they looked at this guy and said, yeah, he was not really somebody we cared to have on our 40-man roster anymore. Kind of strange for then the Cardinals, who are a competitive team, to pick him up. But I think it's worthwhile. They didn't really give up anybody for him, a, a teenage prospect that is really more like a teenage non-prospect, just a guy. And those guys often do not pan out, and, and those are the kinds of players that get traded in these types of deals. And it's pretty low risk. And with his numbers that he's had in the minors throughout the last few seasons, I think the Cardinals said, why not take a chance on a power bat? And that's what Austin Dean looks like right now. But we're talking about the rotation. I know I tend to get off track sometimes. I hope you're able to bear with me here on the show. But in the context of that rotation, I bring up the Fowler situation, which led me to the Dean conversation, because when it comes to Wainwright, I know the ERA, I think, is up near eight right now. And there have been outings where he's been hit hard. But with the way Wainwright has to pitch nowadays, you're probably going to have a few more of those outings. And so he's not going to be the Cy Young candidate that he once was. He's going to be a guy with an ERA closer to four. If you can get it below four, that's great. There are going to be outings that he gets hammered, and and that's going to impact his overall you know numbers, and, and it's going to make him look less effective. And, and that's fair because you don't like to, to go into a situation where you have one of your five starters and you can pretty well anticipate that he's going to have a few of those games per year where he's going to give up five or six runs and – He's just not going to be able to miss bats or pitch to light enough contact on that day that he's he's not going to have a good day. I think overall, though, the expectation for Wainwright is that he will be able to contribute in a positive way to the rotation. And once again, he's going to get that chance. So he's in the starting five that I'm listing out right here behind Flaherty, Hudson. You have Wainwright. Carlos Martinez, to me, has done everything that, that you could possibly have hoped so far this spring to indicate that he is ready for a return to the Cardinals starting rotation because he's he's been effective. He's been able to do it in longer stints the more he has progressed throughout this spring. Started out in some of those early outings where I said, you know, I just don't know if he's being efficient enough right now. He's not around the plate enough. And, you know, he's had those issues in the past when he was a starter. He was, he was very good 2015 to 2017, as I will continue to reiterate. But even throughout some of those seasons, especially toward 2017 and at the beginning of 2018, when he did not end up remaining a full-time starter for the Cardinals, he had issues with getting out of the first inning clean. And after that, he would oftentimes tend to settle down. And that's something that we saw in one of his outings so far this spring. But his most recent outing was five scoreless innings. And his his ledger for the Grapefruit League slate, 9.1 innings pitched, that's nine and a third with a 1.93 earn run average in three outings, two of them were starts, has given up seven hits, just two earned runs, two total runs, but he's walked five with a strikeout total of seven. So the five walks in just over nine innings is not what you want to see, but I think as he goes along, he's been getting better. And again, you're going to take the good with the bad when Carlos Martinez is healthy and himself, because I think at the end of the day, at the end of a season, the numbers are going to be there as long as he's healthy. I think what derailed him from being able to do that was partially health, and so it matters that we can say he's back to back to square one with his shoulder and everything like that. I think partially the the the, ment- the mentality struggles and the the issues that associated with Martinez from that perspective, from maybe a non-physical standpoint, I think you could probably 
relate many of those back to what he was experiencing physically and just to say he didn't know how to handle himself with some of those shoulder issues and, and, and wasn't sure about the best way to pitch through them or whether it was even a good idea at times to pitch through them. And so there's been a lot of weirdness regarding surrounding Carlos Martinez the last couple few years. I think it looks like a lot of that knock on wood is behind him right now. And I think you can associate that with an improvement to his physical health. So if he's good to go, I've got no qualms about putting Carlos back in the rotation. I think the Cardinals could really, really benefit from him in that role. And so as of right now, I'm comfortable going ahead and slotting him in there. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. That would then leave the fifth spot in the rotation. And there's been some talk I've heard just, you know, seen on Twitter, whatever, rumblings where people say, well, with Kwon Young Kim, who the Cardinals brought in this offseason from Korea, told him he would have an opportunity to start to win a job in the rotation. And he's making, you know, not a whole lot of money. I think it's like $2 million a year, maybe. Is that right? Like a $4 million total outlay for two years. Not a whole lot of, of financial commitment to Kim. But you told the lefty, you know, you want a lefty in your rotation. That makes sense. Haven't had that since Jaime Garcia on a consistent basis. And you told him, yeah, you're going to have a chance to compete for the rotation. Well, here's what Kwon Young Kim has done since then. Eight innings, no runs, five hits, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. With a whip, that's walks plus hits per innings pitched, a whip of 0.75 and an opposing batting average of 172. Those are his numbers so far this spring. He made the start on Monday against the Twins, had another really strong outing. Uh, Hasn't been quite built up to the extent that the other Cardinals starters have been. And even Daniel Ponce de Leon, who we'll talk about in a minute, who I mentioned as one of those guys that I wouldn't have considered for a spot starting the spring, but his performance has dictated that maybe he does need a longer look for, for consideration in that role. He pitched five innings in relief of Kim on Monday. Now, why it is that they didn't want Kim throwing four and Ponce throwing four and, and starting to ramp Kim up a little bit more as we go along, not totally clear. Um, I've obviously not down there in Florida anymore at this point, but from the beginning, Kim has been brought on a little bit more slowly than any of the other starters. And there has not been any cause for concern that has been cited that I've heard. Certainly it didn't happen while I was down there and whether it's happened since and I've missed it, I guess that's possible, but I haven't seen anything from the Cardinals that say we're concerned about this or that with Kim. And so that's why we're bringing him on more slowly. Now he did have that groin situation and he was sidelined, missed one of his starts and threw a bullpen instead, but he was right back out there the next time and barely missed a beat. And so it's just a matter of, I look at the innings that he's logged. He's got a total of eight right now. And he's just a half tick behind based on the schedule of the other guys that you would consider locked into the starting rotation. And so the Cardinals are halfway kind of maybe treating him like he's not locked in, which could be inspiring some of that speculation that maybe the Cardinals could move him to the bullpen. 
But if he was told he had a chance to compete for the rotation and has done everything that he's been asked, he's been the Cardinals' best pitcher so far this spring season, has not allowed a run. It's I mean, I'm looking at the numbers. Wainwright's got 8.2 innings with a 7.27 ERA. Uh, so just a little bit more as far as innings pitched than Kim as of right now. Gant has more, 8.2, 8 and two-thirds. ERA of 3.12. Gant was good last spring, competed with Dakota Hudson for a rotation spot, narrowly lost out on that competition because Hudson was just a little bit better. And Gant, once again, having a good spring. We're not really considering him a whole lot in this conversation, though, are we? Like, he he, kind of fell into that middle relief role, was valuable at the beginning of the year. He was the fireman for the Cardinals at the beginning, and then he just was not effective over the second part of last season. Now he looks pretty good again especially the peripherals of a, a 138 batting average against a whip of 0.92. He's given up a few runs, but he's got an ERA of 3.12. He's looked solid. That's that's a guy that would be a number four starter on a lot of teams. I think right now for the Cardinals, he's number eight, and that's not counting Miles Michaelis. I'll get to the names that I'm, I'm looking at in a minute that I would consider above Gant. Gant will be on the uh, opening day roster because he's got no options remaining, and so he'll be there. And so far, he's been working as a starter and has done a fine job. I just don't think it's in the cards for him once again, and that probably doesn't feel great for a guy who, you know, got got a little bit lost in the bullpen shuffle late last season. Yes, it was because he wasn't performing, but perhaps in a, a starter's role, he would be able to have that more consistent routine. Maybe he's just better suited for that role, but it's not one with the Cardinals that I think is going to come for him unless you see a lot more injuries come up over the next few weeks and months. Because I, I, I just kind of tend to think they're going to gravitate toward putting him in the bullpen role, similar to what he started out with last year, and trying to hope he can replicate the success from the first half of that season. Through about June, he was probably the Cardinals' best reliever, and then that's right around the, the point at which it started to turn. I don't remember exactly when, but by the end, he wasn't somebody that they considered, you know, they trusted him enough to put him even on the postseason roster. Daniel Ponce de Leon was on the postseason roster in kind of a multi-inning role in case of uh, the need arise for that. And so that's why, talking about Gant, yeah, I think he's done a nice job this spring. And on another team, I think he would he would be a quality number four, number five starter in, in a lot of cities across Major League Baseball. Right now, I don't think there's the opportunity for him in St. Louis for that to be one of them. And people have talked about, well, could Daniel Ponce de Leon get traded because the Cardinals just don't have a spot for him in the rotation. It, I guess that could happen, but I would say I'd wait to see until July if you're really going after like an Arenado or, or an actual big fish. To me, that's the only way I would be willing to trade Ponce de Leon because I think he's got you know still enough team control and still enough that I've seen from his performance that I would say, yeah, you know, this guy could actually help you if you get into a pinch later in this season in the rotation or maybe from the beginning of the year. Who knows? And so I don't think I'd be very willing to trade Ponce de Leon. I, I have him a, a step above what John Gant has, has has done, and he's looked good himself. Gant would be interesting, though. If you could talk about maybe netting somebody's prospect, a, a, a top-ten prospect or something for John Gant because they are just in a position where they need a number-five starter. Like, like the New York Yankees, I don't know exactly what they've done within the last few days or weeks planning for this rotation. They might have some younger guys they're going to give opportunities to. But I could see if they if they were to even have one more injury, would they not be interested in a guy like Gant who could give them innings from the fifth spot of their rotation, a team that's obviously 
their intent is to be, to be competitive. I know they've had a lot of injuries, but they were the favorites in the American League to win the pennant, uh, according to a lot of betting sites, as of a month, month and a half ago. I don't know if that's changed since then, but they were among the favorites, and they were the favorite, uh, according to, I think it was FanDuel when I last checked it. FanDuel or DraftKings, one of the two. Might have been both. But that's just an example of, if you're talking about trading somebody, not to say that I don't think John Gant's any good, so I'd be more willing to see the Cardinals trade him. I think he is quality, but I think Ponce de Leon, with what he figured out with the driveline and, and going to Seattle to work on that the offseason, he looks like a different pitcher. And I'm if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not willing to undersell that. I'd wait for him to, to build up a body of work in, in April, May, June, and then in July say, hey, to another team, look, he's, he's, he's had some spot starts for us. He's contributed out of the bullpen. This is an arm that if you're a contender, you know, you could potentially benefit from this. Or if you're the Cardinals, my, my, what I would do is just keep Daniel Ponce Leon because I think he could be a contributor, only 28 years old. So uh, that's, a, that's a piece that for the Cardinals could be a, a serious contributor for the next several years. But getting into a little bit more, I was talking about Kim, and I did it again. I got off track. But I wanted to read off the the pitchers who currently have more innings than Kim because that might be a little bit overkill to read into it and say maybe that will give us a clue as to how they're looking in the rotation. But I do think it matters, especially as, as we approach this next week. Start watching who's getting the starts and which guys are, are piggybacked in relief because... I think to an extent you're going to start to see that they're going to have to whittle this down from the group that they currently have, quote-unquote, competing as starters. Ponce de Leon, 13 innings after today. Dakota Hudson, 12 and a third, 2.92 ERA. Carlos Martinez, 9 and a third, 1.93 ERA. Jack Flaherty, 8 and two-thirds. Obviously, he's in. Wainwright, 8 and two-thirds. Part of that is because he's had outings where he didn't complete the total number of innings that was especially early. Um, I think he only threw one inning, but or, or maybe not even, and they, they had him slated for two uh, or one and a third. So that's partially why Wainwright's not quite as high on the list. But Daniel Postilione, the Cardinals are clearly pushing him to say, "Let's see what this guy can do." Like th- their plan today was to get him five innings, and that's exactly what happened. And he again went scoreless in all five of those innings. And so he's got he leads the team now in innings. Yes, he just pitched today, so arbitrary endpoints tomorrow it could be somebody different depending on who pitches tomorrow but I think that's relevant to say despite the fact that Ponce has not started a single game this spring he's not been the official starter he's always come in second which Ponce when we talked to him down in Florida said that didn't bother him at all he didn't care as long as he gets his innings and gets his work in that's what matters but he's leading now the team in innings pitched accruing five entire innings today has got eight hits that he's allowed, five walks, which puts his whip right at 1.00. Opponent's average of 186. He's got 12 strikeouts in those 13 innings. So a K per inning, pretty much. I mean, that's that's solid. That's whatever role he takes on. I think he'll be valuable to the Cardinals. But like I, like I started this conversation saying, I'm just trying to read into this with Kwon Young Kim. You know, are they going to put him in the rotation or are they considering that idea of, Maybe a Ponce de Leon could be a fit in the rotation. And now that we have to assume Andrew Miller is on the mend, you know, we, the Cardinals still don't know what's going on with him. And by all indications, Andrew Miller will open the season on the injured list. I'll probably continue to talk about that every day until there's a, you know, an actual substantive update to Andrew Miller's condition. But right now it seems like he's not going to open the season with the team. And so that's a lefty in your bullpen. You say there's an opening there, potentially a role that needs to be filled. 
Brett Cecil is still here. He's still trying to compete. And I think when you talk about guys with contracts, it's really true of Brett Cecil that he's just competing. He's not guaranteed anything. And the Cardinals, yes, it would be unlikely for them to, to bring him along for this length of time all through last season and then get to spring him be able to perform and be healthy and then for them to cut ties with him without carrying on because he's still making that 7.25 or whatever million, 7.5 million, something like that, that he's receiving for this season. You know, the Cardinals are paying him that either way. So, you know, they'd like to get something out of Brett Cecil, but I also think that because of the road he's been down, if it's not looking like it's going to work out, Brett Cecil might be one guy who does have a contract that you say, okay, we can maybe have our our tolerance level a little bit lower than we would for poor performance from, say, Dexter Fowler. Because this spring, Dex has struggled. But you know what? Last season, look at the numbers in 2019. First of all, he rebounded way, way, way better than what he had in 2018, a lot of which was due to the manager, the injuries that he experienced, the depression that he's opened up with and talked about what he was battling at that time. So when it comes to Dexter Fowler, I look at what he did last year and say, yep, that's about what the Cardinals paid him to do. He he wasn't overwhelming, but he was uh, right around an average league average hitter. And he could, you know, play right field for you, play a little center field as well when he was called upon to do so. For, you know, decent numbers all the way around. Nothing that jumps off the page. If the Cardinals had it to do over again, would they have ever signed him? I'm not saying that, but based on what you ask of him, he pretty much met the billing last season. And so, yeah, he's struggling this spring, but I'm just explaining the team standpoint, not my own vision for what this would look like. But when it comes to Dexter Fowler, he's going to get that opportunity to, to start the season. Now, has he worked himself out of potentially a leadoff opportunity or, or a two-hole and maybe he's going to start further in the lineup because he's not quite there with his timing at the plate, I could absolutely see that. And I think, again, if Colton Wong is not in the one or two spot to start the season, that would be a travesty the way he performed last year and the way he's looked so far this spring, nice and solid. And so, you know, I I think Fowler maybe has changed his spot in the lineup. Maybe you could say instead of having him in there six days a week, it becomes five because you say, wow, Lane Thomas really has pushed the issue. Wow, Tyler O'Neill really has pushed the issue. Wow, Tommy Edmonds still who we believe he can be. And so we got to find ways to get all these guys in the lineup. So maybe we do take Dex's playing time down a little bit. I think that happens, but he's still the quote-unquote starter. He's still the, the, the guy that kind of holds down that spot until proving otherwise. And he'll have the chance to prove otherwise when we get to the season. But this isn't the season yet, and for a veteran player like Fowler – they're just not gonna. They're just not gonna cut bait on him when they've got two years of sixteen point five million or whatever is remaining on his his contract. Remember, twenty twenty not the last year of his deal. Twenty twenty one is, and so I could see it with Cecil that you talk about this competition for a left handed reliever. Cecil right now four point five zero ERA. He's pitched in four games. Some have looked better than others. Has has had to work around some traffic, but he's still getting his feel back for things. And I wonder if it, he's got no options, but if the Cardinals could potentially, you know, do an IL stint to start the year to say he's not quite back from, you know, what he had been dealing with. And could you put him on some, you know, minor league games to start the season without having to lose him? That'll be a decision that I would think would be up to Brett Cecil because it's not a guy you could option. And 
you know, I could see him just not having any desire or interest in that after all he's been through to say, no, I want to pitch in St. Louis. And then if that's what he says, the Cardinals will have to make a decision on whether or not they've seen enough from him. And I could totally see them saying, yeah, let's give it a shot, especially now with the opening for Andrew Miller not likely being ready to start the season. And so you've got Tyler Webb from the left side in that bullpen. And then you've got, okay, Cecil, you're going to be our other guy. And you go and he gets a couple of appearances. And if it's not working out, that's one that I could see. You see the ties cut before April ends if it doesn't go well. The Cardinals, of course, want it to go well. Brett Cecil, of course, wants it to go well. But I'm I'm just kind of running through some hypotheticals. Let's say the Cardinals' preference is to, to somehow you know, manipulate the system a little bit and say, he's not quite ready, you know, still dealing with this or that. We got to start him on a rehab assignment. And they approach Cecil with that idea. And Cecil's like, no. And the Cardinals are like, okay, not ideal, but we're going to, we're going to call him up anyway. And then he doesn't do well. I could see that ending pretty quickly, but there's also the, the realm of possibility in which he does do well and ends up filling the Andrew Miller role and, and, you know, Brett Cecil, his first year in St. Louis, had a, a, a game against the Cubs where he got blown up, cost the Cardinals the game late. But after that, his ERA was like three and a half or something for the whole season. Whatever year that was, was it, uh, let's see, four-year contract, so 19, 18, I think it was 2017. That would have been Cecil's first season in St. Louis. And if that's the case, whatever it was, he was pretty good that first year. You know, since then has battled injuries, and when he's been on the field, has not been good. But if they could get that first year Brett Cecil back, I think the Cardinals would absolutely take it. And so we'll have to wait and see if he can do that. But if not, if we're counting him out or if he starts on the injured list, we're still talking about who fills that role in the bullpen. That's, I think, the temptation to say Kwon Young Kim could do it. And that's true. But to me, the Andrew Miller role, first of all, Andrew Miller was not lights out last year. And so... I think Tyler Webb has really worked himself into the conversation of a guy uh, that that would like some more opportunity. He pitched a lot last year in games that didn't really matter. He didn't have the high leverage spots. That was most of the time reserved for Andrew Miller. But we saw Mike Schilt. He definitely trusted Tyler Webb and and wanted him in games, even if it it wasn't the most prominent spots. And so maybe Tyler Webb kind of takes over as that 1A from the left side where Cecil or whomever else is the 1B. Um, I could see that trend taking place. Uh, so far, just to give you Tyler Webb's numbers, he's been good this spring. Four innings, four games, has not allowed a run. He's given up five hits, though, which means his batting average against is not very good, 313. Um, but he also hasn't walked anybody, and he's got six strikeouts. So I'd have to go individually and look at the hits that Webb has allowed because there have been five of them in four innings. That's a little m- more traffic than you'd like. But with no walks allowed in six Ks in four innings, that's pretty good so far from Tyler Webb. So I think you're going to see Tyler Webb kind of be given a little bit more of a leash this this start of this year to say, hey, can you handle the slack that's been left by Andrew Miller's injury? And Cecil could be there too. Another guy, Henesis Cabrera, you know, people say, well, he could, he could fill that Miller role. I saw a lot of that today on Twitter. And I don't disagree, but I think it, it's just kind of, a little premature, maybe, like like Miller's looked good so far this spring. Pardon me, Cabrera has looked good so far this spring. Six innings, 1.50 ERA. But I also think that Cabrera's another guy that they'd like to maybe see long-term as a starter. Like Ryan Helsley, we've talked about his spring, very good. Six innings, no runs, uh, just giving up two hits. He's had a few walks, but he's looked solid. To me, Helsley, whether they've officially said it or not, has already transitioned in this camp to reliever. 
He was competing as a starter. I think he's going to be in the St. Louis bullpen. And you're starting to see that a little bit with how his usage usage has shaken out. And it's only going to get worse because as you need to ramp up the actual starters, it'll become clear who the actual starters are not because those guys won't be able to have as many innings. There are only so many innings to go around. And if you've got eight starters, nine guys competing as starters, 10 guys, like that's kind of where they're at right now. If that's what you have, you have to kind of weed it out a little bit. And I think you're going to start to see that. And I think you even did a little bit with Alex Reyes. Have not mentioned him yet today on the show, but he actually got the save for the Cardinals, hint, hint, on Monday in a 3 nothing win against the Twins. So I said Kim pitched three, Ponce pitched five, and then it was Alex Reyes on for the ninth. He gave up a couple of hits. One of them was hard hit. One of them was a dinker. Don't really care about that. He went deep into counts. I don't know how many pitches he threw exactly, but it was was more than you probably would like to see. Uh, let me see if I can find this. No, it doesn't look like they have the pitch totals accessible right there on MLB.com. But he had two strikeouts. You know, he battled. One was a full count at bat that he battled and battled and gave up some hard contact, but the ball kept just barely going foul. Um and so eventually ended that with a strikeout, got another strikeout, and then got the final out of the game on a grounder. And so his ERA for the spring, 8.31. That's kind of a big number, but I'm kind of talking about Alex Reyes in terms of what's it look like, how did it feel for him, because I think that's honestly really what's more important in his trajectory. But the Cardinals said he started the spring as a starter. I think by now they threw him in the ninth today. I think it's pretty safe to say he's maybe being groomed a little bit more as a reliever. Now, whether that starts in St. Louis or not is remains to be seen. I think with the injuries that have happened to the bullpen, you could make an argument for it, but I would almost prefer Reyes start in Memphis. It won't be his favorite thing because I think a lot of what he's dealt with mentally over the last few years has been pretty grueling. And part of that is I'm stuck in freaking Memphis and not in St. Louis. This is not the, the path I thought I would take for my career. If he can get over that, though, if he can get past that and say, look, just remember that last year when you burst onto the scene in St. Louis right out of the gate, you probably weren't ready. And now, granted, that was coming off of basically two years of not pitching at all. But Reyes didn't pitch down the stretch last year either. He did get to pitch more. And so you could say he's a little more prepared for, you know, what it means to be going into that regular season environment, leaving spring training with the club as one of their relievers. I think he's a little more prepared this time around than he would have been last year. But last year, it was pretty evident that he wasn't he wasn't quite ready. And so is he a guy, like we mentioned with Cecil, that you could see the Cardinals want to just get a little bit more out of, be very open and communicative with Alex Reyes and say, this is not about we don't believe in you or anything like that, but we just want to make sure you get some of those competitive at bats, pitch him as the closer in Memphis. That's fine. Make it, make it an environment that is, you know, conducive to some pressure, but, but do it on not the MLB stage right away because of some of the issues he's had in spring, because he's slowly coming to terms and being able to command the strike zone a little bit better today. He was, he was better. Like he didn't walk anybody. That's good, but he almost did a couple of times. And so you talk about getting into the major league level and you're working deep counts and that can be difficult on you. You know, I, I just think that I could see a path where that ends up being what they do with Alex Reyes. Uh, who right now certainly I think is more being used as a reliever, just based on what we're seeing, than in that starters conversation as we start to whittle it down and say who's really still in this competition. That'll be a hard conversation for them to have with John Gant if it's somebody if he's somebody they want to take out of the competition. 
because he can't be in the Memphis rotation. As much as you might like him to be ready as that number six starter, he's going to be in St. Louis because he's got no options remaining. And I guarantee you another team would scoop him up if you tried to pass him through waivers. The other guy that I haven't talked about yet with regard to this starting conversation, and it kind of could too play into the, the, the chat about who the lefty reliever is going to be, Austin Gomber. Gomber has looked really, really good this spring. Eight innings, 2.25 ERA. So right even with Kim as far as the number of innings pitched, he's given up five hits, eight strikeouts, and eight innings, a couple of walks. 179 opponent average, 088 is his whip. Walks plus hits per innings pitched. So for Gomber, he's thrown the innings. He's still in that starter's conversation. And to me, he would be the guy that I would have as my number six. If I needed somebody to come up, he's the next guy to come in. Maybe even above Ponce de Leon, uh, as much as I think I would love to see Ponce de Leon in a rotation, you might be able to, I could see Ponce de Leon getting the chance in St. Louis. Ponce de Leon has talked about, I don't want to be on the Memphis shuttle anymore. Somebody else can be the new Ponce this year. Somebody else can be the guy that you call up for a spot start one day, and then even if he performed, which Ponce did last April, this happened. He had a five-inning outing. I don't even think he gave up a run, maybe one. Had a good outing, and then they sent him right back down the next day. Ponce does not want to be that anymore. And so I could see a scenario where the Cardinals put him in the bullpen. What the role would be, I don't know. When I would ask Mike Schilt, hey, do you see him for a late-inning potential reliever? Schilt was kind of like, eh, we've got guys that are – that we're looking at for that and, and, and hasn't been a big consideration. Maybe that's changed with what he's done so far this spring, but he's showing he could be a starter. And so it's not an easy conversation to have with any of these guys. I don't really know what the right answer is. I've told you I'd have Gomber and Ponce de Leon in my rotation, but I don't have anybody also that I'm willing to take out of the rotation. So you count those two with the five that I listed as starters. That's seven. John Gant, number eight, you've got pretty good top eight right there and so the problem is some of those guys are going to be in the st louis bullpen it's not a problem for the bullpen if they're performing there but it's a problem that if you have more injuries who's the next man up so i think you've got to have at least one of these two gomber and ponce de leon in memphis ready but could they consider gomber for that lefty relief role uh if they want to go with kim as a starter or could i envision gomber getting the starter job and kim pitching out a relief. I could envision that, and some people have speculated, would that be something they would do? I personally don't want to see it. As much as I would like to see Gomber get a chance, I think Kim has done everything that you've asked of him. He should be in that rotation. And especially in year one, coming from Korea, MLB hitters are not familiar with him. I think that's an advantage to Kim, especially early on. And so take advantage of that. Take advantage of that while it's while it's here, and then see you know if he starts off strong, great, keep it going. If Kim then starts to see the league adjust back to him a little bit, okay, then you have an opportunity to see how he deals with that, how he handles it, and whether he can can strike back with an adjustment of his own. And if that's the case, I think he's he's somebody who's he's not your number, you know, he's not a quote unquote number five. He's like a number three in a rotation on a competitive team. I think Kim could have that kind of year. Uh, I'll be looking for him in fantasy drafts. Somebody drafted him last night in a dynasty that I'm in. I was kind of bummed about it, but I also thought, you know. He's 31 years old, so for dynasty purposes, maybe not targeting him as much. But in just redraft, absolutely, he's somebody I'll be looking at. So if I'm in a league with you, ignore that. 
forget I said anything. Um, but yeah, that, that's what we're looking at. But I wanted to mention one more time before I left, Cody Whitley, I think, is a guy that if I do consider Alex Reyes for the bullpen in Memphis just to start the year and then call him up when he's ready, gets gets his feet under him a little bit more, and maybe Reyes will show that he doesn't need that. He might show over the next couple of weeks that he's good to go, and then you bring him up. But Cody Whitley, honest to goodness, I think should be in that in that bullpen no matter what. Five innings, no runs, three hits, two walks, so a whip of one. Opponent batting average 176, and Cody Whitley has eight strikeouts in five innings. I, I'm going to keep you know banging the drum for Whitley. I think he's got to be in that bullpen to start the year, even if it means you have one fewer lefty and you put Henesis Cabrera back in the Memphis rotation. Cody Whitley, I think, should make the team as of right now. So that's kind of where I'm at. I was planning to get into the Jack Flaherty stuff today. The Jack Flaherty renewed by the Cardinals for the second straight year. Um, last season did it, did it again this season where the Cardinals and Flaherty are negotiating a contract, but really Flaherty would be negotiating from a place of zero, absolute zero leverage because he has no say in the matter. The Cardinals ultimately can impose the salary that they want upon him as long as it's not a 20% reduction or more from what he made last year. That's literally the only stipulation besides make sure he makes the MLB minimum. And so Flaherty knowing that, you know, it just basically is like, look, I'm not going to agree to whatever it is because it's not going to be anything close to what I'm worth. And so I wanted to get into that, but we're already been going for 36 minutes. And so I know that we're about out of time here. I don't like to go much longer than this for the podcast. Um, but I, I think I'm thinking I'm, what I'm going to do is tomorrow spend about half the time or more on the podcast. Have Tuesday's show be very Jack Flaherty centric with regard to what this contract renewal means for his future. I wrote an article about it for KMOV. Uh, you could find it there. I, I tweeted it out. It's at bshafer12 on Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash bshafer12 as well. Or you could just go to kmov.com slash sports and find uh, my article on Jack Flaherty there. Uh, because, yeah, I think it is a very interesting conversation, but we got so in-depth to the current status of the rotation. That doesn't leave you a lot of time to talk about Flaherty because his ERA, 4.15 this spring, doesn't really matter. He's in the rotation. He's leading the rotation and is going to be the Cardinals' opening day starter. So that's why when you're talking about the fourth spot, the fifth spot, who's going to be in the bullpen, not really a conversation that suits much to uh, Jack Flaherty talk. So, we're going to get into that tomorrow on the show. I appreciate you guys for joining me for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I think I'm going to wrap it here. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. I would love, love, love to have your subscription. And then when you do so, send me a DM on Twitter. And seriously, I'll respond. You think I won't, but I will. At B-Shafer12, B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R-1-2. And say, hey, I just subscribed to your podcast. And say, I did it on Spotify or I did it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Because... You know, I have an Android. I don't have an iPhone. A lot of you guys have iPhones, I think, and so that's why when the analytics tell me most people listen on Apple Podcasts, that's what I put out on the Twitter tweets when I send my links out every day. But there are lots of other ways to listen, too, if you don't have an iPhone. So if you haven't subscribed yet and you only see the iPhone link on Twitter, I can tell you how to fix that. Send me a DM, at bshafer12, and I'll hook you up. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this episode. Once again, thanks for joining me, guys, and we will talk to you tomorrow.